0: Kind of about late afternoon for me, as it's what 6:30 p.m. Pacific time. Let me push my buttons. There we go. I always push those buttons. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. Got a great guest tonight. I'm real excited to have her on. I have a little bit of a link to her. Not really a link, but kind of something kind of in common to her in a way, even though it wasn't directly me. But there's kind of something kind of in common. Anyway, um, I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of Sacramento, California. We have thirty-five people. i do not going to say stationed up and down the state, but located within the state of California, almost every county we have at least one or two people in, for you know, to help people with their paranormal issues. You know, that's our job. It's to it's to help people and educate. We don't charge for our services. We come out. We try to help you as much as we can. And our uh, membership runs the gamut. We've got attorneys on our membership. We've got former, former police officers, former police officers that were hostage negotiators. We've got uh, we've got psychologists on staff. We've got journalists on staff. The whole gamut. We have when we have a uh, we have a couple of Native American friends on staff as well to help us with cases that involve Native American grounds. So we kind of run the gamut. We want you know we're a full, we're, we're a full service paranormal team. We've been around for a long time, almost twenty five years. It's getting there. <laughs> been doing this for a while. Anyhow, I want to welcome you all to California Haunts Radio. We do this Sunday through Friday. We spend an hour with you each night. Sundays we sit down and we read a paranormal themed book. We're right in the middle of uh Anna Maria Monello's uh The Way Through the Woods. And after that, I just might read the Mojave incident. We'll see what happens. But anyway. Back to our our show tonight. Oh, yes. One more thing. YouTube. If you're watching, (laughs) it's going to be like that today. Sorry, I had powdered donuts before I came on. So, you know, off I go. Um, If you're watching from YouTube, please click on the little ghost down in the bottom right-hand corner that has the magnifying glass and the Sherlock Holmes hat. That'll make you a subscriber to our YouTube. So, if you look through YouTube, you can see we've got more than 220 shows on there that we've done. And they're all varying topics, just like tonight is a completely different topic from all the all the paranormal stuff we've been doing. I love doing different topics. I'm a journalist, I'm a photojournalist by trade. I love varying my topics and I love covering news items and everything. In fact, you might even catch me on a night where something's going on here in Sacramento and I might just cover it just like like KCRA3 would or something. You know, you, you never know what's gonna happen with me. But that's what I do. So please, please subscribe. I really appreciate it. Also, we're a nonprofit. So everything you see here uh, comes out of my pocket. So if something breaks, boom, I got to pay for it. Just like the Internet, all that other stuff that goes with doing the show, it all comes out of my pocket. So if you could help me out a little bit, that'd be great. And you could do that at uh, PayPal.me at California Haunts or even Venmo, California Haunts, straight through. But anyway, off to the get on topic now. My grandmother and grandfather came over from Mexico. Way, 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 way back. I don't even know. Somewhere around, I think, my sister will probably kick me for this. The 1930s, maybe the 1940s, they both came over from Mexico. And the first job they got was working on the Indian on one of the Indian reservations, and they were cutting hair. And as I was growing up, my mother would tell me stories that my grandmother would tell her about her working on the reservations. In fact, my mother knew a couple of songs, and I heard my grandmother sing a couple of songs too. I have no idea what tribe it was with, you know, that, that, that they worked with, but the songs are ingrained in my head. Even to this day, I'll, I'll start humming them, you know, but uh, that's kind of like my link because our guest tonight spent quite a long time with the Navajo. And I'm so excited to talk to her about that. When I uh, went into congestive heart failure, I was trying to figure out diets to go on. And I decided to go on a Native American type diet. So I bought these cookbooks. And of course, my cardiologist wanted to see what I was going to do. So I took these cookbooks into my cardiologist, which she okayed me to do. So I was making stuff like like the breads and stuff like like, like the Native Americans had had been making. And that helped me. I I came out of heart failure within six months after starting that diet. So there's, you know, there's something to this. And so we're going to talk to her about that. You know, what what she, what she, what she experienced living among the Navajo and how she brought that experience into her medical, into, into her practice with patients. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So without further ado, now, like I said, I'm excited. Let's see who's in the chat room first. Who do we got? Jennifer, welcome, welcome, welcome. I know. And it's, it, was the, it was the powdered donuts, those little ones, those, those little those, those little little Debbie things, little little Debbie Devils is what they are. Anyway, <laughs> that's enough about donuts. Oh my god. I have a sweet tooth that goes beyond anything you can imagine. I have to have some sweet, some kind of sweet during the day. All right, let me get my guests on. There <laughs> we go. <laughs>
1: Hello, how you doing? <laughs> You can tell we're laid back here. It's Great. I think you, you lit, lead a very exciting life. <laughs> Sucking down powdered donuts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm having a really good day in spite of it all. Fantastic.
0: Now, I'm fascinated to talk to you. I heard you on the other show. I read part of your book. Um, because like i said that connection is there cuz my grandmother and grandfather did work with i don't know the apache i don't know which tribe it was
1: probably but. the yakis because they live near mexico the Yaqui okay. indians <clears throat> yeah and the
0: funny thing is if you look at photos black and white photos of my grandmother you
1: would take her for a, for a native american well she probably has native american blood think think of all the mexicans so many of them have um, a Native American blood in them. Yeah, probably your grandparents certainly did. Yeah, and it's funny because you know, like Time Life came
0: out with that whole series, you know, which I which I read cover to cover. And when you look at the photos of of the of, of, of the Native Americans in there, they look like my grandmother.
1: Yes, that's very okay. exciting. So that means you're part Native yourself. In somewhere fact, I line, can yeah. I can actually see it
0: because <laughs> <laughs> we're of course we're unaware of it, but somewhere along the line, yeah. There's got to yeah. be some blood in there, but she, I mean, it's shocking how much she looks like that. Yeah. Anyway, tell me about you because you spent all that time with the Navajo. I'm so fascinated by that.
1: Well, it's just, I I've always been guided by an inner compass that tells me what to do, even if it doesn't make a bit of sense. I mean, when I decided to do that, to go out in the middle of nowhere to teach on a boarding school, my friends and family thought I'd lost my mind and they asked me to, to explain why I was doing that, and I I said the truth. I said, you know what? I don't know, but I have a knowing inside that this is what I must do, even though I can't explain it. And all my life has been guided like that. <clears throat> it's it's a, sort of an inner knowing. And the times when I the few times when I didn't listen to that inner guidance, I really regretted it. It co- caused me horrendous suffering when I didn't listen two two times i didn't listen and they were disastrous <clears throat> so uh, to all your listeners be sure to follow your inner wisdom it's important mine?
0: my my inner wisdom drinks alcohol <laughs> <laughs> you know? well at least it doesn't do sugar but alcohol is it's just like sugar though now, that's, that's like my guardian angels i think are alcoholics too but we're not going to go we're not going to go down that alley okay yeah, yeah. By right, right this time, um,
1: so when you initially started to te- what, what what were you teaching? Uh, I was I was teaching fourth grade, but everything turned into an English lesson because the kids had reached fourth grade and didn't speak English. I found out why. At first, I thought, "How how can you get to first fourth grade and not speak English?" And mm-hmm. so he- here's why. First of all, the white teachers were not interested in them. Didn't even like them. They're just waiting to get their government check to get retired. They're older. They had. They were so bored, so uninterested. Didn't know the th- the first thing about Navo culture. The students picked that up, and mm-hmm. and so you know how are you going to be motivated when you think your teacher doesn't even care about you? And then the materials, the learning materials. were were totally irrelevant to these people's lives. They were Dick and Jane, can you imagine? Dick and Jane, that meant nothing to them. They, They had no motivation. And then the third reason is because many of them had to lose whole years at a time, staying home helping with the brand new baby or help herd sheep or something. So it was a very erratic, inconsistent education. So what happened when I first arrived, I think they thought, oh, just another white person, you know, doesn't care about us. And I, I, I was trying so hard to connect with them, and they wouldn't even look at me. And they they looked down at their desk, and I, I was so frustrated. I, I, after a week, I was ready to give up. And, in fact, I called my father. I said, this isn't working out. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I can't connect with the students. And... So he said, "Thank God." He said, "You you shouldn't leave after a week. You don't you don't know the people. You don't know their culture. You don't know their land. You don't know anything about them. Mm-hmm. You, why don't you stay there three months and then make up your mind?" And so I thought, "Oh, okay." And that very next day, my Navajo teacher aide, who who was a very came from a very famous family. Her father was a co-talker in World War II, Carl Gorman. So she wow. lived on army bases. So she, even though 50 years ago, the Navos were very traditional at that time, she was very knowledgeable about the white world. She spoke fluent English and she was traditional at the same time. And so she she, she had a foot in both worlds. So she, she saw me struggle and she saw how much I really wanted to reach the students. So she... She came out of her shyness because in that era, Navos were very sort of respectful and shy and stuff. And she said, I, 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 I need to tell you about Navo culture and these students because I can tell, unlike the other teachers, you're really interested. You really want to know. So she started explaining all the things that I misunderstood. She said, the kids don't look at you because, number one, they're shy. They're boarding school kids. They live in remote areas. They're not used to white people. And two, they're showing respect. If they looked right in your eyes, in their culture, that would be extremely rude, or they were showing anger, but, but they show respect by not looking you straight in the eyes. Once they get to know you and like you, they will look into your eyes. And I said, oh my God, I've made so many mistakes. And she said, you pointed at a boy, and asked him a question based on the seating chart and and he cringed yeah i said i noticed that why did he do that i just i just pointed she said you never point in navajo culture that makes people stand out and and vulnerable to witchcraft and so forth you point with your lips anyway she spent she spent hours educating me hours and hours and she invited me to her home and we talked more over dinner and she said look What's going to make a really huge difference in breaking the ice is if you let me teach you a few words of Navajo. White people, they don't even know how to say hello in Navajo. They lived here 10 years. They don't, they don't know a single word. If you just learn, let me teach you just a few words and, and watch what happens. So she taught me how to say, hello, my children. My name is Erica Elliott. What's your name and where do you live? And oh my god, it's the hardest language I've ever heard. No wonder it was the only code in World War II that was never broken. There's sounds in there that don't exist in English. And and they're glottal stops and and nasal sounds. I mean it's almost like Chinese or something. Very tonal and guttural and <clears throat> And everybody sounds like they're mad at each other. They're not. They're just saying hello. And it sounds like they're saying something bad. And so I practiced almost all night in front of the mirror. It was so hard. The next morning, I went into the classroom (laughs) and I said, I probably totally butchered the language. I said, (laughs) and everybody looked up at me for the first time and had eye contact with me and and the room went to, was totally silent and then suddenly a girl put her hand over her mouth and started giggling and then the whole class burst out laughing and i i don't even i don't even know if i said anything right but that moment was the beginning of the most wonderful love affair between me and the students. It it was just, oh my God, it, it got richer and richer and richer. And the boldest boy in the class who spoke the most English came up to my desk, Billy Begay, and he couldn't say Elliot, that was too hard. He said, Elliot, take me home. I, I said, what, <laughs> take you home? And he said, oh, that means yes and now." I'll- And I looked at my teacher aid, Donna Scott, and I said, can I take him home? And she she said, yeah, you can check him out on the weekend out of the boarding school. Nobody does it, but you can do it. You just have to fill out a lot of papers. And I said, "Uh, Billy, do, do do you want me to check you out of the boarding school and take you home? Oh, I said, well, okay. And that was beginning of a a, a custom. Every weekend I checked out a different kid from the boarding school, took him way into the remote canyon, gorgeous canyon. And with Billy Begay, at the time of my life, we rode bareback with his brothers. The family was so nice to me, even though I I couldn't understand a word they said. They they were so nice and um, loving to me and had me spend the night there. And uh, and anyway, so as this progressed, word got all around the school that I was doing this. And after Billy Begay, that Monday, I said, let's not use these Dick and Jane books anymore. Let's make up our own material. And for some reason, the the principal really liked me and he let me get away with breaking all the rules. I, I, it was amazing. and uh, And so we made our own curriculum so when we took a trip we'd write about it in english so that that was the beginning i said draw a picture of me and billy begay's my visit with billy begay mm-hmm. and underneath put two sentences most people they didn't know what two sentences what that meant but anyway one kid drew this beautiful picture of the canyon which is gorgeous and it was of a horse running through the canyon And there was a white girl on top holding the mane for dear life (laughs) and with her (laughs) ponytail flying straight out. And underneath it said, my teacher, (laughs) T-E-E-C-H-I-R. And so, but that was the beginning of us creating our own teaching materials. And so um, what happened was the the more I did this kind of thing, the faster they learned English. They wanted desperately for me to know about their life. So here's something almost magical, since you're a paranormal station. I have lots of paranormal stuff to tell you about. My but what was so magical, Charlotte, is that here they came to the fourth grade not speaking English. And by the end of the year, because they were so impassioned, wanting me to know about their lives, they learned English so fast and they were very smart. And those white teachers told me they couldn't learn. I mean, that, that is shameful. Yes. These were very bright kids. They just didn't like being mistreated. And, mm. and so, so here's the magical thing. At the end of the school year, there was a regional speech contest and I decided to enter three of the students who spoke the best English and wrote the best English. They won, they won, wow. that, isn't that amazing? That's and know, Charlotte, I thought nobody's gonna believe this. So I cut out the newspaper article of the three kids, this is from 50 years ago, mm-hmm. and I still have it. I still wow. have that newspaper article. Yeah. So you want me to tell you my first real paranormal experience? Go for it. Go for it. Okay. So many of the families told me just in a kidding way, they wanted to adopt me. And they, they gave me, um, a Navajo name. <laughs> it's a it's, which means Navajo woman with red skin. And, and I said, Why red skin? They said, Because you're sunburned all the time. <laughs> so I was called a red skin. And so, anyway, so one of the families that, quote, adopted me was a member of the Native American church. <clears throat> and that is a formal way of saying the peyote's church. They don't use the word peyote, they call it uh plant medicine that's what they call it and and it's never used for recreation that's shunned upon it's used strictly for spiritual growth and healing and prayer and so so um this family uh, called me like their daughter their sister when you really like somebody in the Navajo culture you call them by kinship term that that's uh, because kinship is the most important thing in their life it's not making a lot of money it's mm-hmm. not being the best at this and that it's it's having your family your family's the most important thing and so when they called me by these kinship terms and ask me to call them by kinship terms it, it was an expression of love and so um <clears throat> so i was supposed to call the person shema my mother and she she's the one who invited me to the next peyote ceremony it was to heal a little baby who was terribly sick didn't respond to western medicine at all was mm-hmm. not getting well and and so anyway um so she told me she, I could not wear white man's clothes i had to wear totally traditional navajo clothes so i was dressed like beautifully in this velvet shirt satin skirt and tons of turquoise jewelry and silver mm. I look like I was going to a Navajo prom. (laughs) And so anyway, um, so part of the ceremony, it's all prayers and singing and and so forth. And part of the uh, ritual is to smoke this sacred tobacco that they gathered from plants on the San Francisco peaks, which is now unfortunately a ski area. But Mm -hmm. anyway, so what you do is you inhale. You exhale and then you pray in Navajo and you pass it on. And I I was I had only been on the reservation for a month. So I I I could say how many sheep do you have, where do you live, how old are you, and that's about it. I, I couldn't say much. And because it's important you know that because of what I'm about to say. Okay. I truly, truly did barely spoke Navajo in those days. Barely. And um so anyway so they all did that and then when my Navajo mother did it she prayed she was right next to me then she handed me the uh sacred tobacco and she said in English whispered just pass it on and I didn't pass it on by the way I was already very much uh full of the plant medicine it comes in three forms in the bud, in the tea, in the powder. And it tastes really awful. I had trouble not to throw up. And so my, my Navajo mother said, if you throw up, that's the evil coming out. I didn't want people to think I was evil. So I kind of kept <laughs> it in. Anyway, so so I kept it and I inhaled, exhaled, and then I, I prayed in navajo i prayed in navajo a prayer i'd never heard of before and while i was speaking this fluent navajo i thought wow i I think i'm dreaming this can't possibly be true there's no way this is true this is from the the medicine is making me hallucinate Mm -hmm. but then i said to myself that somehow this is more real than real life and, and I was say, saying that dialogue the whole time I was praying in Navajo. I thought, wow, this stuff is really strong. And then <laughs> I passed it on and everybody was staring at me. And so but anyway, then the next thing that got passed around is a water drum. It's in a metal container and there's water in it. And then the hide is stretched over and it gives a haunting sound. And the the drumming is like the beat of your heart, the heartbeat. <laughs> and then you sing a song. And so the exact same thing happened. My my Navajo mother, Shima, she, she sang her song and then she passed it to me and she said, Pass it on. <laughs> and, and I didn't pass it on. <laughs> I I was drumming and I was saying, Hey Ne Yanga, Hey Ne Yo, Hey Hey Yo. I, I Oh my God. I don't, I'm singing a song I I don't even know. I never heard of before. A prayer song. And and again I thought, "Geez, I must be incredibly stoned or something." And and I passed it on. Anyway, just to make a long story short, when morning came and all that that had worn off, all the medicine had worn off, we filed out, we touched our forehead with the ground and we fanned ourselves with the eagle feather fan. And then we went into the neighboring cinder block house where some of the women had stayed up all night to make breakfast. And we sat on a sheet on the floor. And uh, there's a big feast laid out of uh, mutton stew and fry bread and canned peaches. And when everything was quiet, then the road man, which is the medicine man, they call it road man, the people who run the peyote ceremonies, Mm -hmm. looked right at me right in my eyes and he started talking Navajo nonstop. And I, I was really uncomfortable because I, I didn't know what he was saying and he was looking right at me. I had no idea what he was saying and he kept talking. And then he'd wait for me to answer. I, I didn't know what to say. And then he'd talk again, wait for me to answer. And finally, I I sheepishly said, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, I don't really, um, speak Navajo and everybody burst out laughing and then he said you sure talked up a storm last night (laughs) (laughs) wow
0: so Charlotte how do you explain that I have no clue I guess I guess I guess
1: the gods decided to help you out people always ask me that How, how they say how how do you think it happened I say well truthfully I don't know but then some people have made up their own explanations, like a physicist one time heard me and he said, well, you know, in advanced physics, like quantum physics, there is no past, no future. It's all right now. And he said something about how it's all out there, but we can't have access to it with our normal consciousness because it's very limited. And right. When you're under the influence, there are no limits. You you have no limits, and so you can pull out of anywhere anything you need. And So I thought, okay, I'll I'll, I'll take that explanation, and um, so so Charlotte, you, you how would you explain it? You know the whole. I think the whole point of peyote is
0: the visions that go with it, and you know it's one of the things. And I I just think that it opens you up like he's in a way the physicist is correct it opened you up to the point that your 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 psychic part opened up and something else came through and yeah. and helped you out
1: yeah and charlotte can i tell you one more uh paranormal sure. thing Absolutely. That okay so <clears throat> the kids in my class we we became so friendly with each other and and um one of the kids said Miss, they were talking English now. They said, "Miss Elliot," they call, still call me Elliot. Miss, Miss Elliot, you have a goiter. <laughs> and I didn't have a goiter. Goiter was when your whole thyroid is swollen from mm-hmm. iodine deficiency. But and they had that was pretty common 50 years ago because they didn't have iodized salt. And and but I had a lump right here on the right side under my jaw. And it was very hard like a rock and it was growing. And like many of my patients, they just want to ignore it and hope it goes away. And that was me. And mm-hmm. you know, I was 23 and so, and didn't know a first thing about medicine. And I mean, Western medicine. And I, I felt it and, and I thought, wow, it's big enough for her to even notice. That, that must be pretty big maybe I should do something about it. So um, as it kept growing, I started getting scared. So I took a day off from teaching and I drove for two hours to the nearest charity hospital called Sage Memorial Hospital. And the internist, saw me. I was really scared to be in a hospital. It smelled bad, like disinfected, who would ever guess that I'd become a doctor. It was mm-hmm. like, Ugh, I don't like this place at all. It's very sterile. It smells bad. And so anyway, so he said it, it really looks like it's cancer, cancer it of your working. lymph gland. He said, we're going to have to schedule a biopsy. And so um, I was so frightened. I said thank you and goodbye, that I I left and didn't come back. <laughs> Just like some of my patients are so scared like that, mm-hmm. they you know. And I mean I'm glad I I in the end that I followed my inner compass because of what I'm about to tell you, because if I'd gone the regular way, I would have missed out on something pretty, pretty darn life changing. And so. So anyway, uh, my, teach, my teacher aide, Donna Scott said, oh, um, there's a medicine man who can probably help you. And she was giving me directions how to find him on the weekend. She said, you, you go down the wash and you come to this large sagebrush on the left and then you go a few more yards and then there'll be two pinyons and you turn left there. And then you go, I mean, the instructions were were, were really difficult. I, I, I was so lost. I finally found him and he he took a look at it. And, and, um, and then to my great disappointment, he said it wasn't um, his specialty. <laughs> but he said there is a Hopi a uh, guy who who probably could help you. So I took another day off. And I mean, it's, it's a real day's work to find these people. And I finally found the Hopi medicine He was out herding sheep. It took me a whole day to find him. And to my dismay, he said, it's not his specialty. <laughs> and so then I told my Navajo family, the one who belonged to the Native American church, I said, it's hopeless. that None of these people, it's their specialty. You know, I don't want to go back to that Bilagana, that means white man, that Bilagana doctor, I'm, I'm too scared. And they said, Oh, it's no problem. We'll have a ceremony for you the road man will take care of it. And um, they said, but you know, we'll give this as a gift, but we have to share it with somebody to because it's expensive. It means butchering a whole sheep. And Instead of bank accounts, their money is in their sheep and their goats and their horses. That's that's their wealth. And so, uh, butchering a whole sheep for a ceremony is a big deal. And then they have to pay the roadman on top of that. So they shared it with another another family with a sick baby. And um, and so uh, anyway, I <clears throat> in the ceremony. I was so focused on the baby. I took such an interest in the baby, what the baby was doing, that I I forgot that this ceremony was for me too. I completely forgot. And I watched the baby get better and better and better and better. And, um, And we sang and prayed and the usual stuff all night. We prayed all night and the baby was fine afterwards and gurgling and looking at its mom and smiling and everything. And then we filed out and did our thing and went to have breakfast. And we're sitting around on that sheet with the food laid out. And everybody stared at me and I, I wanted to what are they looking at? And I was looking to my right to my left. And no, they're looking at me. I thought, "Why, why are they looking at me like that? And then I remember, and my hand flew up, and the the mass was gone, it was gone. And to this day, fifty years later, if you watch me, like over the course of the day, you, you'll you'll see me go like this. To this day, making sure it hasn't come back. It's become a habit. Wow. And ever since that time, I just couldn't believe it. And so I was going like this all the time. Like <laughs> it was gone. Charlotte, what do you make of that, Charlotte?
0: I think magic works its ways. I think I think natural healing does work in a lot of cases. My grandmother was a Quilandera as well. Oh, wow. And I, I didn't experience any of her her stuff, but my mother did. You know, she had wow. stories about my grandmother doing healing rituals and stuff. Wow. And so I believe I, I believe in all that stuff. Every bit wow. of it.
1: Wow. Well, I I have an, another um, unusual experience. Do you about um Uh, with an animal. Do you want to hear it? Okay. So I'm a very much a nature girl. I always have been. I always walk barefoot. I always feel happy in nature. I bet you're like that too, Charlotte. Yes, I love nature. I I figured. I love you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, as a young woman, I always felt very safe in nature. I didn't always feel safe with people like, you know, you get raped or something. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened in the book. Uh, I was with a Navajo friend and a horrible thing happened. You have to read the book. I don't want to tell it. It's so horrible. And um, I rather not tell it this time. And um, anyway, so I one weekend when I was not taking out, oh, um, guess what? There's an updated, Charlotte, there's an updated, revised version that's better. This okay. is a self-published version. Okay. The, the other one, do you have the cover for it? I don't have that cover here. but Okay, but let me tell your listeners, um, it, it's the same title, but it has a different cover with an eagle on it. Okay. and it's updated because uh this one's self-published and the publishing it did so well that publishing company said they wanted to republish it so they could get wide distribution and so so look for the republished one and because it has all information about what happened during the pandemic it's very updated and um yeah I so okay. No okay. Problem. so anyway i I'm so I When I wasn't taking a student out to their home for the weekend, I I drove myself to the middle of nowhere in southern Utah in a very, very remote area. And there was no habitation, no paved road for miles and miles where I went deep, deep into the wilderness. And it was just gorgeous with all these fantastic rock formations and everything. And, and so Charlotte, could I look at you? Can I, can I talk instead of the yeah, cover? Okay, go.
0: Go.
1: okay, so, um, <laughs> because I actually get more animated when I'm looking at you <laughs> so, Go
0: for it. No problem.
1: Okay. And so, so I, I, I um, this side, I was 40 miles from the nearest road, and I was off road. And if, if my car had broken down, I would have died. But at that young age, you don't think about those things. And um, so I saw this gorgeous, like a sanctuary, rock sanctuary, and it had like a basin, a natural cistern full of water. So I took off all my clothes and got in. Like I said, I'm a nature girl and I, I was just having a wonderful time. Then I walked around with no clothes on and the, the rocks felt so good, they're so warm. And then the sun started to go down so i thought well i better prepare my bedding and everything <clears throat> so i got my pad and sleeping bag and put it out on a flat sandstone rock beautiful rock with all the towers rock towers all around me and i finally fell asleep it was a full moon so it's very bright so it's hard to fall asleep but i finally fell asleep and I had this dream that was so vivid that I was with Billy the Gay, and I was in his sheep and and goat corral, mm-hmm. and we were trying to separate the billy goats because we didn't want them to mate right now, and they were trying to mate with the females, and, and they had that really strong odor of pheromones that when when you want to mate, the male mammals have this terribly strong acrid smell and I smelled it so intensely I thought wow this this doesn't even feel like a dream this feels like real life and then I heard a sniffing sound and I realized it wasn't a dream that there I opened my eyes and in the full moon right two inches from my face was the mountain lion sniffing me I, wow. I could see his tawny hair and his black whiskers, and I thought, I'm going to die. I, I, I almost had a heart attack. I became paralyzed, paralyzed, barely breathing, my heart bounding. I didn't move, and I had my eyes shut tight waiting for him to rip me apart. And, in fact, I remember thinking to myself, I wish he'd hurry up and get it over with and nothing happened. And I still couldn't open my eyes. I was in absolute terror. And I finally, when it was full daylight, I I, I opened my eyes. And of course he wasn't there. And of course there was no tracks because it was sandstone. Mm -hmm. But when I stuffed my sleeping bag in, that scent went right up my nose. and It was a male mountain lion. (laughs) Good thing he didn't, you know, wow, yeah. you know, mount me or something. <laughs> I mean, and um, so anyway, I became obsessed about mountain lions. I asked everybody. I went to all the way to Gallup, two hours away to a library, to check out books about mountain lions. I said, why didn't he kill me? And Ooh. everybody said the same thing. It's because you didn't move. They want things that move. They don't like dead things, and they don't like things that move. And I thought, there. I think there's another reason. I don't know what it is. And I kept thinking in my dreams that the mountain lion was trying to tell me something. I And I finally told Donna Scott, my teacher aide, about, that I'm dreaming about this mountain lion over and over, and he wants to tell me something. And so she said, well, you know, there's this grandmother who can and tell you she lives deep in the canyon and this teacher aide um, it's her grandmother. So why don't you talk to her? So I talked to her and she took me um, on the weekend deep into the canyon and she told her grandmother what happened. And then the grandmother who's very uh, wizened up, tons of wrinkles, shiny, twinkly eyes, very beautiful in an ancient way and smoking a corncob pipe she looked right into my eyes in a friendly way and she said the mountain lion is your spirit guide and and he came to you to give you his strength courage and perseverance i forgot what exact words she used, but and, and then she said something very chilling. She said, "Because you will need that. You are going to be facing some life-threatening challenges, and if they don't kill you, you will have powerful medicine to bring to the people." And I, I did. I, it all came true. What she said later on. I'm talking about in book two and three, that I, I did have some terrible th- two terrible things that happened to me i just barely survived them and i did go on to become a doctor and those horrible things that happened to me helped me be a better doctor and so i mean her 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 prediction came true to the letter Whew. wow
0: yeah see while you were talking about that's what i thought was your your spirit animal
1: you did you did Charlotte? yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool do you have one Mine what is mine? Why is it eagle? You're, you're an eagle but oh yeah. Cool, cool. So you think yeah. for yourself, right? And yeah, and you see the big picture.
0: Yeah, I got a friend that it's uh the Black Panther.
1: Wow, whoa. There's hers, yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. That's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic.
1: Yeah. So lots of pair and they take the paranormal just in stride. It's no big deal. I mean, they, they don't think it's anything unusual. It's just the white people. They, they think it's really like unusual. It's just part of their life. At least 50 years ago, it was like that, you know, things have changed. But I was there at a time where they're very, very traditional.
0: Mm-hmm. So you were able to participate in t- obviously the, the rituals. And stuff like that was it hard for them to allow you to do that or or or, or was it a gradual okay, thing? this
1: is what they said they said i was participating in, in ceremonies that white people weren't allowed and, right. and and had never participated and they they said that i i was um, my how did they say it they said it in different ways they said i i was a, a white navajo woman and they said i had a navajo heart and they said i was navajo and some other time
0: that works okay that makes sense
1: yeah so you took this stuff you spent all this
0: time with the navajo you you became a doctor yeah and you were able to incorporate some
1: of what you learned right oh yeah into yeah. your practice Yeah, but first I had I was a mainstream doctor, which was not not a good. I mean, yes, I, you know, I learned an awful lot. I'm glad I did it. But it wasn't my life calling to just give out pills. In fact, Charlotte, I'm going to tell you something funny. Okay. I I mean, it's actually pathetic. It's the Navajo word for white doctor is a Zeshani, which means he who gives out pills. And I, I thought, yeah, that's right on. He who gives out, just giving pills. It's not really healing. It's mm-hmm. not really healing and not getting to know your patients, not trying to find out what's really going on, what's underneath all those headaches and the asthma and feeling chronic fatigue. What is the real cause? You know, and so when I left, and, and it was one of the disasters that the uh, um Prophecy is one of those disasters that got me on the right path. So all my bad experiences have been a portal to something much, much better. So for all your listeners, never waste a bad experience because it can be composted into something you can't even imagine. So, so it's don't waste it. And so that that I I I I practice what I preach, and um, I started practicing in a way that was in true alignment with my soul's longing, my soul purpose is to empower people with information that helps them help themselves, help them. Some doctors want you to feel little like a child and they're the father and they tell you what to do and you're supposed to do it. I'm not like that. I'd say, I'm your ally, I'm not your boss, I'm your ally and together we're gonna get you well. But um and so it's all about empowering and using all sorts of tools. Sometimes I do use Western medicine. If somebody has pneumonia, I do I do give antibiotics. But I only do that when other uh, natural methods are not doing the trick. So I draw on everything. And also, I help my patients. Uh, I share with them what I learned that anything is possible. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, that don't just think in a narrow tunnel, like what what we've been told is not always true. In fact, it's often not true. Like what we're hearing now in the current times, a lot of it is not true. You have to trust your inner wisdom and you have to use critical thinking. How to use critical thinking? You say, does this make sense? You just Mm -hmm. ask a simple question. You don't have to be a genius to do critical thinking. You just say, Does this make sense? Does this match my own experience? Am I acting out of fear? Or am I, am I making a good decision? Or am I doing it out of fear? And and I, I train my patients. And I also train to protect them against being harmed when they go to the emergency room, and they're told to have every scan and every test and then t- dump pills on them, told to have surgery that they don't need. So I, I give them tools of how to um, deal with mainstream medicine. So when you were learning it, like you know, when you, when you,
0: when you were learning this stuff, you know, from the Navajo, did you do extra read? I mean, obviously you had to do some extra research when you brought it into your practice, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, so um, I, I, I used herbs that I learned about when I live with them, and I, I was in the peace course. I learned about a lot of uh, plants from the Andes, from the indigenous people up in the Andes. I was way high up and learned an awful lot about how to live on nothing, how to take care of your health with practically nothing. And uh, so I learned a lot. I, I learned a lot.
0: So how do your patients um, relate to it? I mean, like I said, when I had heart failure, that was my first thought was, okay, I'm done with Western food. I'm going to go to a more, you know,
1: Native American diet. Yeah, that was so smart, but, Charlotte. Yeah. That was very smart of you. And
0: so just, I mean, not not everybody's like that, though.
1: So how, you know, when, when you have a patient that. Okay. That, here, here's the very cool thing. Okay. I never advertised. So, okay. what, because when you advertise, you, you don't know who you're going to get. They haven't been vetted. It's mm-hmm. all word of mouth, meaning that that person tells that person, oh, you'll really like her because blah, blah, blah. She really listens to you uh, or she tries to use as much natural medicine or this and that, or she educates you. So they're, they're totally prepped by the time they come to me. They, they totally know what to expect. So I don't have to deal with trying to convince people that that takes too much energy. And, you know, I just tell you something funny. I Los Alamos where all this physicists live doing, you know, nuclear research and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, when my fir- first uh, physicist came to me as a patient, now I have quite a few of them. He, he was dragged in by his wife. He didn't want to be there. He, he talked to me with his arms like this the whole time. Very hostile body language. And, um, and, and I made a recommendation based on what his wife told me because he, he didn't want to talk that much. And, and so he said, do you, have, do you have articles to prove what you're saying? And I said, you know what? I bet you don't ask your mainstream doctor for articles to prove that statins are valid for high cholesterol. I bet you I bet you've never asked your and and then I said, you know, I I think you shouldn't come back because you're just here because your wife dragged you here. You don't want to be here. So there's no charge for this visit, but I, I think I'm the wrong person for you. Guess what? (laughs) He called me about a week later and he said, can I come? (laughs) Can I, can I be a patient? So he knocked off that kind of stuff and he he became a total fan. He reads my blog posts religiously and then he told his friends to come. So pretty soon I had a lot of, but you see, I didn't have to uh, convince them because this guy told them that I was legit you see what I mean? Right, 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 right. So, what types of, you know,
0: just, just off the wall, I mean, you know, it's not, I mean, it's obviously not for everybody. You know, we're not trying to sanction, hey, stop taking your pills and do this. We don't want oh, to do no, that. No, I'm not saying that. I take, no, I, I do I, I know take what you're just saying, The question I have for you is what for, you know, can you give me an example of, of something that, that you have used that type of uh, natural remedy for? That something that's common that people have.
1: Oh, gosh. Um. for for tons of things but but i do use western medicine i i'm on thyroid medication myself and you know so i'm not an idiot i mean there's there's a place for everything it's just that pharmaceutical industry has predominated and pushed out everything else that's very legitimate and valid Mm -hmm. and that's the problem i have with it and so um but i I mean, there's countless things that I start with the diet and because I'll have patients who come in with 20 problems, 20 Mm -hmm. problems. You know, they're tired, they have a headache, they're anxious, they don't sleep well, they have digestive problems and stuff. So, So we start the whole thing with the diet first and then we see what we're left with. And then we deal with the, and then the problem list comes to might be three things. And instead of 20, there's now three. And then I address those three things. But so we start with a diet. You eliminate an awful lot of problems, but diet though, one size does not fit all. So people who say this diet or vegan or all meat or all this or all that, that doesn't work that Mm -hmm. there are few principles that apply to everybody eat organic if you can afford it and find it it's Mm -hmm. far superior the glyphosate the roundup the herbicides are very harmful drink filtered water if you live in the u.s and um so so there's very few basic principles that apply to everything everything else needs to be customized like some people have nightshade problems like potatoes and tomatoes, and they get joint pains mm-hmm. and other people, you know, do great with all that stuff. And so, and dairy is a common troublemaker, whether people realize it or not. And so you try to eliminate the common ones and see if it makes a difference. If it doesn't make a difference. Go back to it. Gluten is very common troublemaker, very common. Sugar is a common troublemaker. too many simple carbs, bread, pasta, crackers, cookies, cereal chips. Okay. Another principle that applies to everybody is try not to eat processed food, try to eat whole foods the way it grows. And that applies to everybody. And Mm -hmm. so, but beyond that, you have to find the diet that works. So we do trial Mm -hmm. and error in my practice to get the patient to find what's truly right for them. And then the digestive things go away. Some of the fatigue goes away. The brain fog goes away. Some of the the depression lifts. Mm -hmm. And then we we deal with what we're left with. And we deal with that with herbs and certain supplements and uh, and so forth. And uh, so people come from all over the country. I haven't been taking new patients for five years because... Oh, I'm overwhelmed. I, I, I have 1200 patients and that's, and I'm 73. That's that's a lot for one person. And so, but if you go to my website, my blog site as a public service for all those people who want to see me and I can't, I can't, I can't take more patients. I've done all these different blog posts about medical things that they'll never find from their mainstream doctors that are really practical, really helpful, and not the dogma that they're taught. And so it's musingsmemoirandmedicine.com, musings with an S, musingsmemoirandmedicine.com. And it's a mishmash of of excerpts from the different memoirs I'm writing. I'm going to be writing a total of four. And and it's um, uh, trips trips I've taken, but but relevant to your listeners is that there's the category under medicine. If you click under that category, I'm sure you'll find something that is very useful, like osteoporosis, the cholesterol thing, the fatigue, the insomnia, the digestive stuff, and it's not the regular dogma that you're learning. It's 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 stuff that's not pharmaceutical oriented and um i think very very useful Mm -hmm.
0: coming from your um you know being white we'll just use the word white and seeing what you saw you know the 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 miracles you know with with the with with the kind of medicine that that the navajo were using was it hard for you to believe at
1: first yes 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 it was i just couldn't believe it i go up to those people and say are you really better yeah you know are you really like did did what such and such go away completely and and, you know i was incredulous yeah because i i've been brainwashed right Mm -hmm. and and, um so when you're brainwashed you you sort of have to see it over and over to like real like wow this is really happening I just find it so interesting.
0: I really do that somebody I mean, growing up the way I did and hearing the stories, but knowing somebody that actually saw the stuff take place. That's yeah. what fascinates me with you.
1: I know. I, I feel so lucky that they accepted me, even though I'm a billigana. Bilagana is their word for a uh, white person. Mm-hmm. And I, I gotta tell you something funny. They, their word for Mormons, Mormons were always trying to convert them. Uh, they had poor guys, they had Catholics trying to convert them, Protestants, Mormons, and everything. And some of them belonged to every all of them because then they got free lunches, they got, you know, uh clothing and stuff like yeah. that. Because it, it was they just thought of it as practical. <laughs> but so their word for mormon was gummily and i i said what does that mean to to one of my i said to my teacher aide who was so good with english and i said what does gummily mean she said it doesn't mean anything i said well, well how, how did they get the name how did the mormons get the name gummily and she said when the first mormons came they're always reading from their bible and to navajos it sounds like they were saying gummily 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 gummily, gummily. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hilarious. Absolutely hilarious! It's so like it's, yeah, yeah. that's what that's what I mean. I'm so intrigued by you. That's why I'm going to finish your book. I got halfway through it, but I'm so intrigued by you because, like I said, I grew up around you know hearing the stories from my mother. Yeah, but I never saw stuff like that done in front of me. I knew my grandmother was doing it, but you know,
1: yeah. I you're, you're don't forget you're part native. Don't forget yeah. that. Yeah. so it's that, all That's it's, really something to
0: be proud of. There's still mint growing in my backyard. Cool. Because she was growing mint, you know, all, oh. all along the perimeter of my yard and everything. So oh, she has yeah. to grow it back there. Yeah. Wow. That she was using. And I remember watching her make tortillas. The only person I've ever seen make tortillas and not use a spatula to flip them.
1: Well, wow. <laughs>
0: scared the hell out of me. You know, the stuff would be piping hot. She'd reach in there and flip them bad boys right over. Oh. Oh, you got some nice
1: memories.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I also remember being the grandma. God forbid you touch something that she's working on.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: You know, but I mean, yeah, i got some great memories of watching her. But I wish, you know, I hadn't been so young because I was only like probably five or six at the time where I could have sat down and really talked to her and picked her brain about that
1: stuff. Yeah.
0: You know, I missed out on it. But that's why when I when I when I heard you on the other show, I was just really into it because. I thought, wow, you know, this is kind of like my background in, in a twisted sort of way, you know, a way off sort of way. Yeah, And it
1: was fascinating. So, so ha- because you have that streak of Native American in you, it means you can access things that maybe it's harder for other people to do.
0: Oh, interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Very, very interesting. What do you have to say to people that want to... Uh, look into all, alternative forms of medicine, you know, like, so, like somebody that's getting treatment right now. Is, is it something that people should do is, you know, like me, I don't like it when the doctor's sister prescribes a bag full of pills. You know, I'm just like, do I really need to take all
1: this? Oh, you know, like there are, <clears throat> there are people like me who are mainstream and really good at what they did, and then they became totally disillusioned. And because uh, they developed some terrible problem, Western medicine was hopeless and just made them worse. So mm-hmm. they left and then they became like famous, like Mark Hyman from the Cleveland Clinic. He, he had so much mercury in his mouth from his fillings. He, he couldn't use his brain anymore. He, he couldn't practice medicine, his whole life collapsed. And so he went on a big search himself to get well and his get well search, uh, got him well and so excited him that there was this whole different way to get people well that now, now he's he's he pre, he spreads the word so if you you could start by getting in touch with his, his work as a way to start okay okay my gosh this hour went by so fast it's over I know. It's so nice talking to you, Charlotte. I I talk talk to a Charlotte. I'm going to tell you something, Charlotte. I feel, I don't care how much blood, Native, but I feel like when I'm talking to you, I feel like I'm talking to a Native American. Thank you. Well, that's cool. That's a big compliment. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I would love to have you on again to talk more because, I mean, I, this just wasn't long enough. Okay. <laughs> if you
1: want it's up to you no, no sure sure but take a look at my medical blog posts and okay. see if you find them useful because okay. it teaches you how to how to make that transition kind of to more natural stuff so what's next for you i i'm writing i just finished my second manuscript called um from from mountains to medicine and my search for purpose and then my third memoir is going to be all about telling the truth about what I saw in medicine and and how I came to practice the way I did my whole trajectory. It's really fascinating. I I mean, how I became practicing the way I I do. And um, and then the fourth one is about my son. It's going to be called How My Son Raised Me. Cool, 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 cool.
0: I just had a question. I thought when you decided to, to like, to, you know, talk about the, the, the natural stuff with with your patients, the other doctors
1: did, were they open to it? Some are very, in fact, (laughs) my patients tell me that they get quizzed by their mainstream doctor. Like, what did she do? What did she tell you? And stuff like that. And others just tolerate it. And a few very rare, but a few, um, don't agree with my approach, but you know, they all these guys remember when I was mainstream because I was still in Santa Fe. So they respect me because I I was a respected mainstream doctor. It's just I I, ha, I became totally disillusioned.
0: Okay, cool, cool, cool. Again, I want to thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. I enjoyed talking to you. We have an energy, you know. Thank you. I could feel that. And I really, like I said, I really appreciate it. And I would love to have you on again on another day, another time to talk with you some more.
1: Sure. Until if I, if I was a Navajo, I would call you Shideja. Shideja means my little sister. Shit means my. Deja means little sister. Well, thank, thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> I feel a connection to you too. Thank you. There okay. we go. All right. Well,
0: you have a good evening and thank, thank you, Erica. I've so, It was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Charlotte. Good night. Yeah, bye-bye. All right. That was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And uh her story's great. Get her book. Remember the one with the eagle. <laughs> with the eagle on the front, as I was corrected. So I'll I'll have links for all that for you guys. Tomorrow, um, we're shifting gears. We're gonna be talking coke. No, 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 not that kind of coke. Get your mind out of the gutter. We're going to be talking to our favorite Coca-Cola guy. Larry Jorgensen going to be with us to talk about some of his updates to the history of Coca-Cola that he's been, he's been doing more research. He's been hitting the road more to add to, add to his book that everybody has out. And he's a very fascinating guy to talk to. You'd be surprised how interesting Coca-Cola actually is. Uh, you know, once you start talking to Larry, I want to thank you guys for coming. i will we'll be here at six 30 tomorrow too, in normal time. I want to thank everybody for coming tonight to the show. It was a fun show. It was a great show. And, I'm always interested in that stuff. In fact, I ran into uh, when we did an investigation with Channel 10 uh, and Evangeline's down here in Old Sacramento. Uh, the Culanderos actually came out. the 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 Aztecs came out and they were dancing in front of the building and the, you know they, they were going to cleanse the building and I I went outside laughed and I asked them if they would wait till after we did the investigation and then they could go in and do what they wanted and, and they said okay they would do that so they kind of hung out till we were done. So uh, that that was kind of cool. My mother it was fun because my mother was in the, was with me at that time, and since she couldn't get out and get in the building, she was sitting out in the car, so she got to watch them and their ceremonial dress and everything. And they, they were giving her sage and all kinds of gifts, so it, it was nice, anyway. Um, again, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. Tomorrow we'll be here again at 6 30 with with, with Coca Cola guy, Larry, Larry Jorgensen. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe, uh, hit that little button with the little uh ghost and the uh Sherlock Holmes hat and the magnifying glass. If you're trying to find us, come on down to californiahauntsradio.com and our sites there. We've got uh, all all of our uh, uh, show videos are there along with events that that we're putting on and all that good stuff. And, And even our blog talk, some of our blog talk radio stuff is there. Also, we're going to be updating that. We're going to start putting on more paranormal news and weird news on that page. So you'll get some really crazy stories from around the world. Uh, If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here, and we're trying to get the word out. So the more people you share the show with, the more people that are going to come and watch us. And uh, we're real excited. Our our numbers are gaining, and and I'm really stoked about it. We just want to get YouTube going to where YouTube's on a roll. Now, sometimes you can't find YouTube, okay? You can type in California Haunts on YouTube. Sometimes it comes up. Sometimes it doesn't, even though we have a dedicated link to the site. It just doesn't always work that way. So uh, the best way to do that, if you can't find this, is to, is to go to the radio website at californiahauntsradio.com and click on any video on there that has, us, that has me in it, and that will take you directly to the YouTube site. So you can check out all of our videos on YouTube. Again, um, we are nonprofit, non and uh, so all this stuff comes out of my pocket, whether it's the internet fees or whatever. And if you can help me out a little bit with that, I'd appreciate it. That's at paypal.me at California Haunts. Or if you are uncomfortable with PayPal, uh, we have a Venmo. You just have to go into Venmo, type in California Haunts, and you can get in that way. But uh, I hate begging all the time for this. But I mean, it's just something that it is. I mean, I'm, I'm retired. I'm, I'm retired at this point, and I love doing this show. It gives me a chance to do what I did for a living, which is be a journalist. I enjoy it. You know, I'm a journalist, photojournalist, and I want to keep bringing guests to you guys. I love. I just. I just love finding these guests and talking to them and getting information out to you guys. You know, and I love my audience. You guys are great. You come every night, put up with me, look at my face, all that good stuff. Hear my stories about my my powdered donuts and whatever, you know. But anyway, I want to thank you guys tonight. And um, let me click on over here. i gonna push a button here. Cool. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer, for coming. Karen Rothstein for coming. Uh, Pamela, Marisa, and everybody else that didn't come into the chat room, thank you for coming and joining us. Everybody else on YouTube that came in. Thank you for joining us there. Again, um, I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 uh, p.m. Pacific. And here's her information. And remember, it's the book with the eagle. Websites, memoirs, and, and KLMD.com. And Medicine and Miracles is the book, and it's not the one that I have. It is the one with the eagle on the front. And she also has another book, so let's not get excited here. It's called The Healthy House. It's her second book that she has out. And, of course, you can get those at Amazon or at her website, because I saw them on her website. Okay, everybody. I will see you tomorrow. Have a good night. (laughs) That's what happens to slip day.